Amen. Thank you, Ms. Mallory. Appreciate that. And I want to encourage you to get by Ms. Mallory's table there in the gym. You walk in the door to be on your right uh, before you get to the platform. She will be leaving us uh, soon, uh, probably sooner than we would prefer, heading to Papua New Guinea. And uh, she has a table set up there uh, reminding us all where she's going, what she's going to be doing. And I hope you've already begun to pray for her and pray for her family. Amen. Uh, that's a long way from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And uh, you pray for mom, and uh, I'm going to put in a little extra prayer for dad because something about dads and daughters, and you pray for her as she goes to serve the Lord there uh, in Papua New Guinea. Well, I'm excited to finally make it to Missions Conference Week. It's one of my favorite uh, weeks of our year. A lot of preparation goes into this, and I appreciate all the work that people have done getting things ready, not just our facilities, but all the planning and preparation for this week. I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do, and I'm looking forward to every day and every night this week. I hope you're making plans to be here uh, today all the way through Wednesday night as we look forward to what God wants to do in our heart about this area of missions. And I don't know about you, but I need reminders from time to time of what God has left us here to do. Uh, I forget sometimes, and I get wrapped up in my own life, my own desires, my own goals, and forget that God left me here to reach people in my town, but also help people get to other towns and villages around the world uh, to preach the gospel. And I'm thankful to have several missionaries here this week uh, that we're going to get to partner with and help get around the world, and I'm looking forward to how God's going to use them, and I hope you're praying about that. Uh, I'm going to introduce them right quick. We're not going to go through where they're going and all of that just yet. But I want all of our missionaries that are visiting with us this week, would you please stand? That includes our local missionaries that we have out of our church. Would you please stand right quick? Uh, we look around. We have the barns. The buyers are upstairs with our kids, the Clavons that are here. Uh, Brother Dombeck, you're here somewhere, right? Yeah, back there in the back. Brother Dombeck's one of ours. Brother Coates, Brother Joe, Miss Jean Coates. If you, you can just wave. You see them back there. Serve the Lord faithfully for many years out of our church, and we're so thankful for them. Let's welcome them all to Central today. You can be seated. <clears throat> you know, it truly is a privilege to give to missions. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. The opportunity to share the gospel with somebody around the world, it reminds me, giving to missions reminds me of how privileged I am. Because I live in a country where I have the privilege and the opportunity to hear the gospel every day of the week if I want to. I can go to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and Wednesday night in a church like ours. We have stuff going on throughout all the week. I can hear the gospel preached. But you know, not everybody has that privilege. And missions gives us the opportunity to share that great privilege of hearing the gospel of Jesus uh, Christ so often, as Miss Mallory sung a moment ago, to go tell the world about him. And it's something I hope you look forward to this week. You know, talking about giving, we had Stewardship Sunday a few weeks ago, and talking about giving the missions, we're like, it's all about money. Oh, no, it's all about giving and the opportunity to serve God through our giving so that others could hear about him. I was thinking a moment ago about uh, the Buffalo Bills player. If you saw the game, they were playing the Bengals uh, a few weeks or months ago by the name of DeMar Hamlin. Anybody see that game, DeMar Hamlin? We were watching because we like Joe Burrow because we're uh, LSU fans and don't let that quench the spirit, but uh, we were watching it because of that. And uh, we saw the collision when DeMar Hamlin ran into that uh, defensive player that was there and just collapsed there on the field. And the ambulance came out and they revived him on the field. And one of the backstories that really uh, piqued my interest was the fact that he had a fundraiser, a GoFundMe page, uh, to where he was trying to raise $2,500 to buy toys for children during the Christmas season. And uh, that's, a, that's a warm, heartfelt uh, uh, opportunity for folks to give. And uh, I don't believe they had reached their goal yet of $2,500. But after he got hurt, people had a heart to want to do something for him. And to do something for his cause. And people began to give. 
And I left the window open on my phone for several days and several weeks afterward, monitoring on a daily basis how much money was being given to his goal of $2,500. And last time I checked, it was over $9 million. From 2,500 to 9 million to help buy toys for young people and to give things to kids in underprivileged communities. And what a great opportunity that is. But people wanted to give. They thought to themselves, I mean, here's this young man who died on the field and they revived him. We want to do something. They were motivated to do something. And people gave over $9 million from amounts from $3, over $100,000. People from around the world gave over $9 million to that. Now, you think about if we had a heart for missions like that, to where not just wanting to give someone a toy, which, hey, that's great, and want to give someone something that they don't have already, but to give somebody the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, if only we were as motivated to get the gospel around the world. That's what I'm praying for this week, that God would touch our hearts and that we'd be burdened to give more than we've ever given before to help the gospel get around the world so people could be saved. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful to be saved. I'm thankful to have a Father in heaven, to know what the peace of God, the grace of God, and the power of God's all about. That's because somebody shared the gospel with me, and there's other people waiting to receive those wonderful gifts of grace once they hear the gospel. We've got to help that gospel get there. And so I'm thankful for all of our missionaries that are here. I'm excited about the opportunity to hear from them. Uh, this week, you're going to get to hear from them personally. All right, you're going to hear their burden, their calling, and we're going to be excited about uh, partnering with them. I do want to remind you right quick about our schedule, and uh, then I'm going to introduce our speaker. We're going to have our 5 o'clock service today in the gymnasium. Uh, matter of fact, we're going to have the service before you eat. Our international dinner is all set up over there. Everybody was busy working up all their nations yesterday. And we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful buffet of just about everything you could imagine to eat. But first, you have to come for the preaching. So be here at 5 o'clock, gymnasium for that. After the preaching, we're going to turn you loose to just raid the buffets and tour the world and have a good time of fellowshipping together. So that's at 5 this afternoon. Uh, earlier this morning, I went up to Children's Chapel and passed out our missions conference passports for our kids. I want to encourage you you parents be here every day this week our missionaries have their stampers to stamp the passports uh, and this year we have something special for them uh, we've ordered biographies from the great missionary heroes uh, of the bygone eras who serve God faithfully and we're going to give every kid who gets their passport filled out this year a wonderful biography for them to keep and to take home and learn about some missionaries who serve God with their lives and last year we gave out chocolate this year we decided to be a little bit more spiritually nutritional amen I don't think our kids need any more chocolate I'm excited about our speaker this morning, Brother Stephen Barnes uh, is not only a wonderful missionary serving the Lord with his family uh, on the island of Guam, but he's also a friend. And what a blessing it is to have friends in the ministry, people that encourage you. And sometimes they don't encourage you necessarily by talking to them all the time. They encourage you by their faithfulness. Isn't it good to see people who start serving God and keep serving God? And you see them one year, five years, ten years down the road, and they're still serving the Lord faithfully. When I was a teenager, I was looking to go to Tri-State Baptist College where Brother Barnes was at. Uh, and I was scared to death. I didn't want to go up there to college. I didn't want to leave where I was at in, in the backwoods of Carson and was talking with Brother Barnes. And he made me so comfortable to come and be a part of that. And I never got to go because I stayed and helped my dad build his church there. But Brother Barnes became a dear friend of mine that uh, I love and I appreciate. And I'm thankful for his faithfulness. And so let's welcome him to the pulpit of Central this morning and look forward to what God has planned. It's good to be here. Can you hear me? Am I on? Okay, we can push the mic down. We're good to go. Thank you for allowing me uh, to be with you this week. 
and I look forward to it. I realize tonight will be more of a mission emphasis. This, this, the sermon this morning will not uh, necessarily be about missions, but I do believe it is something that uh, can help us all. Your preacher told me to get you out by 2.30, so uh, we will try to get started here in just a little bit. My wife's with me. Uh, my youngest daughter is at the, the grandparents' house. My oldest daughter is in Guam. She's acting as the assistant pastor while dad's gone. Amen? <laughs> so I've got somebody I can call and keep tabs on things. We're just here for just a couple of weeks, but we're glad to be here. and We're glad that God has allowed us to serve in Guam. How many in here have served in the U.S. military? You can raise your hand. Good deal. Guam is, um, about 30% of Guam is owned by the U.S. military. U.S. Navy is there. U.S. Uh, Air Force, Anderson Air Force Base is there. There's a 150-man THAAD unit there, U.S. Army. They have the missile designed to knock out the missile that uh, Kim Jong-un is going to send our way. We hope they're successful. Amen? Uh, if not, I guess we'll never know about it. And then uh, uh, we also have 4,000 Marines coming to the island. Camp Bloss is being built. It's about 10 minutes from uh, the uh, uh, from our church. It's about 10 minutes to the front gate. And so we're looking forward to those 4,000 Marines coming over next year. Y'all pray for us as we try to reach them. But we also try to reach the Chamora, the Filipino people, the other Micronesians that are on the island. It is great serving God there. We'll tell you more about the work on Tuesday night, but we do appreciate uh, your, your prayers there uh, on the island of Guam. Let's take our Bible, please, this morning. Let's go to the book of Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. And if you don't mind, would you please stand as we reverence the reading of God's word. Philippians chapter four this morning. Philippians chapter number four. When I first went to Guam, I was concerned about basically three things. Number one, I was concerned about snakes. I do not like snakes. I don't like live snakes. I don't like dead snakes. I don't like rubber snakes. I don't like snakes. We have the brown tree snake on the island, and it is all over the jungle. But I found that the native inhabitants aren't scared of the snake. They say, if it bites you, don't worry about it. It's just a defense mechanism. I said, okay, it's easy for you to say, but uh, we haven't had much problem with snakes. So that worry is gone. I have also was concerned about Kim Jong-un and his threat to send missiles to our island. So we got there, and the first week they said, we're going to have on Tuesday at, uh, um, at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we're going to have a big signal. You're going to hear the signal. We're preparing for the time to, the, that the missile comes in. So we went outside, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We never heard anything. Next day in the paper, it said, well, it doesn't work. We'll get back with you. It's been almost five years. We haven't heard anything since. So I was concerned about that, but I'm really not concerned. I am concerned about his sister, though. She does scare me. And then number three, I was concerned about the unknown. You know, will the people accept us? Will we be able to do God's work and all those things? The Lord has just been very gracious to it. And so I found that many, thing, many times the things we worry about never materialize. And we may say something about that this morning. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4. Notice <clears throat> what the Bible says. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Let's look at it one more time. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Let's pray. We'll get started. Father, thank you. 
for the privilege of being here. Thank you for these dear people. And Lord, as we have opened the Word of God and read it, Lord, I pray that the Word of God would speak to us. I pray that the Spirit of God would stir us this morning. Lord, I pray that we'd get help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The book of Philippians, a tremendous book of the Bible, it is a Bible that deals with the mind. In fact, I have found that the greatest battleground is the battleground that's held in the mind. In fact, the greatest battle that we are involved in is the battle of the mind. If I can win that battle, I can pretty well handle anything that comes my way. The book of Philippians is a book that is written to help the mind. If I have someone come to me and say, Pastor Barnes, I am struggling with my thought life. Maybe I'm struggling with, with lust. Maybe I'm struggling with other areas. Maybe it's depression. Uh, maybe it's other types of mind problems. I quickly say, take your Bible and go to the book of Philippians. Read it every day. You can read the entire book in about 25 minutes. So read through the book of Philippians. It is a book that was given to us by God to help the mind. Now, I find it interesting in the book of Philippians. You'll find chapter 2, verse number 5 says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In the book of Philippians, you'll find in chapter 1 that there are people that will attack the mind. In chapter 2, circumstances will attack the mind. In chapter 3, possessions and things many times will distract and attack the mind. And even in chapter 4, more specifically, worry is something that we struggle with in the mind. And I find in the book of Philippians that we can overcome all those things because the great battle is the battle of the mind. But then I come to chapter 4, verse 4. I was reading this verse one day, and oftentimes I like to take a, a, a verse of Scripture and and from my, from my high school days, grammar class, I like, to, um, I like to outline the particular verse, or I'll diagram it, find the subject and the verb and, and uh, the complements and all those things. So I came to chapter 4, verse 4, and I saw it said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And I realize that is an imperative there. It says rejoice in the Lord always. That's a command of God. Look at the verse, rejoice in the Lord always. The understood you is the subject, rejoice is the verb, it is a command. Just like all through scripture, there are many commands, this is one, chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. God is commanding you and commanding me, those of us who are saved, to rejoice. It's not a suggestion, it is a command of God. And he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And then I noticed that grammatical punctuation there. There's a colon. And again, I say, rejoice. So I'm looking at that. and I'm wondering about that little colon there in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. I realized the first part is a command of God to rejoice in the Lord always. And certainly the word rejoice simply means joy be in you. And by the way, as a child of God... People shouldn't affect my joy. Circumstances shouldn't affect my joy. Possessions should not affect my joy. Worry shouldn't affect my joy because joy is something that is within. Amen? In fact, 
you'll find the source there, rejoice in the Lord. He is the source. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And as a child of God, really to be quite honest with you, I have no excuse. I should joy in the Lord always. Amen? God has commanded it, and God would not command me to do something that I could not fulfill. So the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. But then there's that colon. And I thought about that punctuation, that colon there and what it means. There is a meaning to that. It means there is a pause in this particular sentence. Rejoice in the Lord always, colon. We're going to pause for a minute. It shows that something necessary is following. Two independent clauses where the second will emphasize the first. In fact, when you look at it, he says, rejoice in the Lord always, and then there's a colon, and then he says, and again, I say rejoice, and the greater emphasis is upon the second part. Now, let me illustrate it this way. I, I have three guys that are going to help me. Are these the three? You guys, come on up here. All right. It's Sunday morning. Relax, okay? I have to move around a little bit, so if I've got to be up here and move around, you're just going to have to get in, in the message, okay? Here we go. All right, I need you guys. Uh, which one of you would be the quiet one? Him? I know it's not him. Oh, you said him? Are you the quiet one or are you the quiet one? Good, you're the quiet one. You're going to be right over here, all right? I want you to stand right here, stand just like that, okay? You're the quiet one. You are the emphatic one. You stand right here, okay? Yeah. The, no, not the fat one, the emphatic one, okay? Come on. All right. You're the guy in the middle. Now, let's illustrate it this way. Here's what the Bible is saying. Rejoice in the Lord always, and then that colon shows up. Meaning we're going to pause for a minute. And that which follows is going to have even greater emphasis. Okay, so we illustrate it this way. I want you to say the first part of the verse. Say, rejoice in the Lord always. Can you rejoice say that? Rejoice in the Lord always. That's good. You don't have to get any louder than that. That's fine. I want you to stay just like that. Do it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, that's a command of God. We understand God has commanded that we rejoice. Then we have this guy. This is the grammatical punctuation. This is the colon. By the way, this is the problem, all right? We're going to stop for a minute. We're going to pause. And then we're going to have special emphasis. And again, I say rejoice. Get loud. Say and again, it. I say rejoice. Very good, all right? Now, let's start here. Say it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, we understand. It's a command. Then this guy shows up, ruins everything. We pause. And now? And again, I say rejoice. All right, let's do it again. Pause. And again, I say rejoice. You got to be louder than that. Let's do it one more time. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Very good. Now, that is illustrating what this verse is all about. The first part, God says, Rejoice in the Lord always. It's a command of God. Then this punctuation shows up. It is a pause between the two independent clauses. It is something where that which follows is going to be re emphasized, but we stop for just a minute. And then we're going to have, and again I say rejoice, which means God says I want you to rejoice. And sometimes in life, this guy shows up and there's a pause in our joy. But the great thing about God is, here's what he says, and again I say rejoice. You see, this verse is a command of God, but it also illustrates the Christian life. God says rejoice in the Lord always. 
It's a command of God. There's joy. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. My sins have been forgiven. I'm justified in the sight of God. His righteousness has been imputed to my account. It's an exciting thing to be saved. And life goes on. We're joying in the Lord. And then all of a sudden, this guy shows up with a little pause in life. But here's what God is saying. You can still have joy later on that is even greater than when I first gave it to you. That is how this verse is illustrated. Now, you two guys, I want you guys to get two seats right back over there. You're going to stick around for a little bit, okay? I want you to stay right here because I'm going to pick on you. You are the colon today. Now, listen to me. The Bible is saying this. There is a great truth for all of us in this scripture this morning. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always, a command of God, an imperative statement. And then there's the colon. We pause. And then he says, and again, I say rejoice. And so many times we get discouraged in life because along the Christian path, our joy is gone. And for just a brief period of time, we're not rejoicing. But the great beauty of God is he is a God that restores. We can have joy once again. This guy is a part of life. We may not like the Mr. Colon, but he is just a part of the, as much a part of the Christian life as the first and the second part are. This colon will always show up. Here's what the Bible is not saying. The Bible is not saying that your rejoicing will never be interrupted. The Bible is not saying that your rejoicing will never be attacked. The Bible is not saying that your rejoicing will ever be without any pause or without any inaction. God is not saying that. Here's what God is saying. Rejoice in the Lord always. And occasionally in life, Mr. Colin shows up and things stop. But here's what God says. You can have your joy once again. I have lived this, brother. Where the joy of God is here. And then something happens in your life and you think, I have no joy. It's gone. Lord, what do I do? But I've also been on this side where again I say rejoice. And the joy is greater than even when I first got saved. I have found that many people, come here, are right here in their life. They're at the colon. But I've got great news for every child of God this morning. That Bible is real. God is real. The Holy Spirit of God is real. And the very God that said, I want you to have joy, understands this happens in life. And that very God says, you can have your joy once again. And it can be even greater than when you first got it. Would you move over here, Mr. Colin? You sat right there. I may come back to you. I may not. I want to give you four quick stories in the Bible. Take your Bible, and I want you to go to Genesis chapter 12 this morning. Genesis chapter number 12 this morning. The Bible is not saying that your rejoicing will never be without attack. It doesn't say that it will be without interruption. Yes, God understands those things happen. But I want you to look at Genesis chapter 12. Look down at verse number 10 if you would. Genesis chapter 12, it is the story of Abraham. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says there was a famine in the land. Oh, there's a colon. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Let me tell you about this story. You'll see Mr. Colin. Colin, come up here for a minute. It's right there. God calls Abram from the Ur of Chaldees. And he said, I want you to go to a place called Canaan. Didn't tell him how he was going to get there. Really didn't tell him where he was going to end up. He just said, I want you to go. Abraham followed God obediently. On the journey there, you'll find that Abraham encountered a famine. As the Bible said in Genesis chapter 12, verse number 10. 
You're going to find this famine, Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. It happened to Abraham. It happened to Isaac in Genesis 26. It happened to Jacob in Genesis 42. It happened to others in scriptures. A famine is a part of the Old Testament, just as a famine is a part of the Christian life. Because the famine represents difficulty. The famine represents hurt. The famine represents a place of no understanding. It's a place of need, a place of grief, a place of pain, a place of trial, a place of tribulation, a place of even frustration. And the Bible says as Abram sojourned or, or journeyed from the Ur to the place of Canaan, you're going to find that he came across a famine and suddenly things are not as he thought they would be. It is a place of trial and tribulation. It is a place of storm. By the way, there are three types of storms in the Bible, quickly. Number one, there is a storm that's sent by the Savior. Amen? Mark chapter 4, God called the disciples into the ship and sent that ship right into a storm. That was a storm sent directly by the Savior. There's also a storm that is sent by Satan. The book of Job illustrates that. When Job went to God and Job said, I'm going to go after, or Satan went to, to God and said, I'm going to go after Job. And he did. And it was a trial on Job's life that was sent by Satan. So there is a storm sent by Satan. There is a storm sent by the Savior. And then if you go to the book of Jonah, you'll find a storm that is sent by self. Amen? Jonah went through problems because of his own stupidity. Jonah went through problems because of his own disobedience. And by the way, most of the trials that we face in life have nothing to do with Satan or God. It's us. Amen? Here's the great thing about the God we serve. I don't care if God sent it, Satan sent it, or you sent it. God said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen? And so you're going to find the famine shows up in Abraham's life, and there is a pause. But I wish we had time. We could go to chapter 13, verse 17, when God comes down and walks with Abraham once again and says, Look, every place that you walk is yours. This is what I'm going to do to you. And you're going to find along the way that God brought refreshment to the life of Abraham, and you'll find his joy was greater after than before. And here's the great lesson this morning. In life, God says, rejoice in the Lord always. It's a command of God. But suddenly, there is that storm in your life. The pain, the grief, the trial, that which you're going through, no one else understands. Here's what God is saying is, you can have your joy once again because of the refreshment of God. Amen? Rejoice in the Lord always. Then there is the famine. And God says, and again I say rejoice, amen? I'm glad that God allows our joy to be restored. Y'all don't worry, if I fall off here, somebody catch me, okay? All right, go back over there, Cullen, we'll use you again in a minute. Take your Bible, I want you to go to another quick one. Go over to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Matter of fact, go to 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. I was joking about 2.30. I'm trying to get you out, you know, around noon. How about that? 1 Samuel chapter number 14. 1 Samuel chapter number 14. Notice what the Bible says down at verse number 4. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse number 4. The Bible says this. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes and the name of the other, Sina. Let me give you the context of this story. Jonathan and his armor bearer in the middle of a fight. They are surrounded by the enemy. In fact, 
that's the one area where you get stuck between a rock and a hard place. You'll find Jonathan and his armor bearer are stuck between these two large rocks. They are surrounded by the enemy. If you were to read the context of the story, and I love the story, you'll find Jonathan and his armor bearer, while surrounded by the enemy, they begin to talk. And Jonathan said, you know what? He said, I think we ought to just discover ourselves to the enemy. Why don't we stand up and let them know that we're here? And his armor bearer obediently said, okay, it's up to you. And here's what Jonathan said. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Now, he didn't say, I know God will work for us. He said, it may be that God will work for us. In other words, we're in the middle of a fight. Nothing's happened. We're in a stalemate. Something's got to happen. Why don't we discover ourselves to the enemy and God might get involved in this? And, of course, that's exactly what they did. They discovered themselves. They ended up in about a half acre of land. They killed 20 men, and then the enemy began to kill themselves. It's an amazing story of what God did. Now, Mr. Colin, come here. Here's what happens. Jonathan and his armor bearer are called to the battlefield. They're in the middle of a fight. Amen? By the way, the Christian life is not called a soccer match. The Christian life is referred to as a fight. Jonathan and his armor bearer are in a fight. They're surrounded by the enemy, but suddenly in the midst of the fight, nothing's happening. It looks as if they're going to lose. It looks as if the enemy has the upper hand. The colon has arrived. Amen? When you're winning, it's easy to rejoice. Yes, you just got out of a ball tournament. Man, when you're up by 20, it's easy to rejoice. When you're down by 10 with two minutes to go, not much rejoicing. Amen? So they're excited because they're winning. Now the colon has showed up. They are surrounded. What are we going to do? But here's the amazing thing. In the midst of the fight, God sends reinforcements. And God says, now you can have your joy once again. Listen to me. God's command is rejoice in the Lord always. This guy shows up. It's a famine. And then God gives you more joy. God says, rejoice in the Lord always. This guy shows up in the middle of a fight. But God says, in the midst of your fight, and I know you're fighting hard, and I know that you're out there trying to win the battle, and I know that you're trying to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, and I know it's a costly battle and a continuous battle, and it's a complicated battle. I know all those things, but here's what God says. I have reinforcements on the way, and you can rejoice once again. Amen? I'm just going to simply say, as a child of God, keep fighting. Amen. Paul said, the good that I would, that I do not, and that which I would not, that I do. I understand the battle with this flesh is something that happens all the time. It's every day. It gets complicated. It gets costly. It is continuous. But I'm just going to give a challenge out today. Keep fighting because your joy will come back, and you can rejoice once again, even though you're in a fight. So number one, the famine. Mr. Colon shows up. God says, you can rejoice. Number two, the fight. Here's another one. Take your Bible. I want you to go over to the book of 1 Kings, if you would. Go over to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. This is one that we can all relate to. 1 Kings chapter 19. Simple thought this morning, but I want you to understand God still wants you to rejoice. Amen? 1 Kings chapter number 19. Look down at verse number 4. 1 Kings 19. Look at verse 4. Here's what the Bible says in verse 4. This is talking about Elijah. In verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and he sat down under a juniper tree. Oh, there it is. 
And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Here's the context. The previous chapter, Elijah has been on the mountain, Mount Carmel there. He's prayed fire down from heaven. 450 prophets of Baal have been slain. God has done the miraculous. Elijah is involved in the work of God. And I mean it's full throttle. He's given it everything he's got. Now we're in chapter 19. Jezebel's after him. He runs to a juniper tree and he sits down. And he just simply says, God, I've had enough. I can't go any further. I'm worn out. Fatigue shows up. Mr. Colon shows up. I mean, and this happens to people that are workers in, in the church. I mean, you're giving everything you got. I mean, you're, you're winning people to Christ. You're running those bus routes. You're teaching those Sunday school classes. You're involved in all the different works of the church. And after a while, you get tired. Amen? I'm not talking to the one who never does anything. I'm talking to those who are working. I'll say it again. I'm not talking to the ones who sit on the sideline and say, boy, we appreciate everything y'all are doing. I'm talking about the ones who are involved in the work of God. You get tired. And Mr. Colon shows up and fatigue sets in. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe you can't do what you were able to do 10 years ago. Maybe you can't serve in the same capacity that you did 20 years ago. And sometimes, I'm telling you, Mr. Colon, it's pretty tough when fatigue sets in. But I got great news for you. You ought to read the rest of that chapter. You're going to find that miraculously God came to him. Some amazing things happened. You'll find a great formula there in verses 5 and 6. He, the Bible says, eat, drink, and take a nap. Amen. I like that. I used to tell my preacher I work for all the time. I said, that's what the Bible says over in, in, uh, in, in 1 Kings chapter 19. Eat, drink. But staff members, next time preacher says, get this done, say, I'm following 1 Kings 19. Eat, drink, take a nap. That's only part of the formula. Then in verse 8, he said, pursue after God. Amen? And then in verse 12, listen to the still, small voice. And by the end of the chapter, guess what? Elijah is no longer under a juniper tree with Mr. Colin. Elijah's doing the work of God again, and his joy has returned. Why? Because the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always, and God understands that fatigue is going to set in every once in a while. You're going to get tired and weary, but the great news about our God is he gives us strength to have our joy once again. It's a great God we serve. And again, I say rejoice. Let me give you a fourth one. I want you to go to the book of 2 Samuel. This is one of the tough ones. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. I want you to look down at verse number 2. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Look down at verse number 2. Notice what the Bible says. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house. There's the colon. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. The woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. You know the story. It's very sad. 
preacher that many times we refer to David, everybody thinks about this story. There's a lot more to David's life in this story. But we read this story and we understand it's a very sad chapter in David's life. David should have been at battle, but he stayed home. David should have been on the battlefield fighting, but he was at home sleeping. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And you're going to find that David committed sin. He talks about that sin in Psalm 51, by the way. He calls it a transgression. He was in the wrong place. He calls it iniquity. He was not doing right. That's what iniquity is. He calls it sin. That's doing wrong on purpose. And then he also calls it evil. That's doing wrong with the intent to hurt someone. You'll find all four stages of sin in Psalm 51 relating to this story. It's a very sad thing. Now, you and I both know the story of David. He killed Goliath. Man, you talking about joy in the Lord. He took Goliath's sword and cut off his head. I mean, an amazing story. I mean, he went and served for King Saul. The great joy that was in David. I mean, dancing through the streets after winning a battle. Great joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. But then, here's what happened. Mr. Colin showed up. It wasn't famine. Oh, it wasn't a fight. It wasn't fatigue. It was it. Get this one. We all know about this one. It's called failure. Failure. It's, oh, Brother Barnes, you're talking about David. I'm talking about all of us. We've all experienced failure. We're sinful people. And all of a sudden, failure is in the life of David. And it's a sad chapter. And oh, the pain and the anguish of sin. And by the way, sin does take you further than you want to go. It does make you stay longer than you want to stay. It does make you pay more than you want to pay. I'm not belittling that. Absolutely. The wages of sin is death. There's always a price to pay for sin. But so many people, when they come to this in life, they give up and they say, I could never rejoice again. I could never have my joy. Colin showed up, stole my joy. Now I'm in the midst of failure. What can I do? You ought to read the next few chapters. You ought to read some of the greatest psalms were written after Mr. Colin showed up. Some of the greatest books that we go to in our times of grief, in our times of hurt. We open it up. They were written by a man who had failure in his life, but he overcame the failure. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He lets us make things right. He reconciles to us. And by the way, even though you've had failure in the past, you can have joy once again if you're not rejoicing this morning it's not God's fault God has provided a way so that you can have joy once again here's what the Bible says come on fellas you get on that side you get on this side here's what the Bible says tell us what does the Bible say rejoice in the Lord always all right this guy shows up we don't like him but he shows up and then what's the Bible say and again I say rejoice you see it? That's what the scripture's saying. So this morning, maybe you're facing hurt. I want you to understand that trial will be over and you will have joy once again. Some of you are in the midst of a fight and you think, I'm not winning. The other side is pursuing. What are we going to do? You can have joy once again. Some of you are worn out. You've spent your whole life in ministry trying to reach people and you're tired. You can still have joy once again. And some in this room this morning have failure in your life. Welcome to humanity. Amen. Make things right with God. 
and he'll restore your joy. Some of the greatest works that David ever performed, they happened after his failure. I want you to go back to Philippians chapter 4. You fellows may exit the stage. Go back to Philippians chapter 4. And in closing, just give you a couple of thoughts and we're done. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. It does not mean <clears throat> that your joy will never be attacked. It doesn't mean that your joy will never be uninterrupted. What it does mean is that you can have your joy once again. Every Christian should have joy in their life that is not affected by people, circumstances, things, and worry. But if it is, the Bible says in chapter 4, verse 4, that you can rejoice once again. Look at the verse. We're done. Rejoice, the next three words, in the Lord. There's your source. I have spoken this morning to Christian people because it's Christian people who are eligible to get their joy back. If you're lost, you don't even know the source. There are two types of people in this room this morning. There are those who have Jesus and those who don't. The Bible says this, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You're either saved or lost this morning. You either have Jesus or you don't. If you have Jesus, you can have joy. In the midst of your famine, in the midst of the fight, in the midst of fatigue, in the midst of failure, you can have your joy once again. If you're not saved, I would love to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ. A great source of joy, the one who commanded us to rejoice in the Lord always. Let's pray. Father.